on today's show. We're talking college football top 10. Who's already done something to get excited about? Who hasn't? Ryan Day, is he on the hot seat? I think he is. I'll explain why, and I'll end the show with my best bets of the week. Let's talk some football. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm Jeff Adams, your host. Thanks for joining me on the road, coming to you from down in Coral Gables, where I'm taking care of a little business, and the recording situation is not ideal, but I'm going to push through and press on, because that's what the great ones do, and am I one of the great ones? No, but if you ask my wife, Nicole, she would say, absolutely. We're going to talk college football top 10. Now, this is my top 10, and there's some things that are a little bit different about mine than AP or coaches poll. Um, first off, I'm pretty sure I've watched these teams in my top 10 more than college coaches have watched because they don't have any time to watch football. So it's comical to me that they actually have a top 10 when they're in the middle of a season and they're recruiting, worrying about NIL, worrying about next week, etc. And here's the trick. I really like for my teams that are ranked highly to have done something. Now you got to take that with a grain of salt because you can't give, let's say, Alabama credit for beating Mississippi and say that Mississippi is highly ranked when, by virtue of my own rules and regulations, I don't know if they're any good because they haven't played anybody other than Alabama and then maybe Tulane on the road. But the only reason we think Tulane is good because they were ranked 24th, so, you know, chicken or egg. At any rate... We're going to count down from 10. For me at 10, I've got Penn State, currently ranked number six. Why are they not higher? Well, their only win is against Iowa, who this past week who was ranked 24th, but has the offense of a flag football team coached by a dad who's never played football. A 31-0 win, which I think everyone predicted. I think Penn State's good. We just don't know. And again, I'd like to kind of hold judgment until I can see Penn State down the road a little bit against Michigan, Ohio State, before I make my determination to move them up or down or how good of a team they are at nine. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish currently ranked 11th in the poll. To be honest, I wanted to put them higher. They've lost one game that was at home against Ohio State, where they led until the literal last play of the game. Okay, They give up a touchdown with one second to go to an Ohio State team who was ranked currently at number four. Now, at the time, Ohio State was six, Notre Dame was nine, and the Irish lose by three, again on the last second play, and they get dropped in the polls. Shouldn't the higher-ranked team win? And if they have to squeeze it out, then why would Notre Dame fall? Just because they have one in the loss column? And this is why I don't like these polls. All right, Ohio State was favored. Notre Dame lost to a team that, by all indications, was supposedly better than they were. So why did they drop? They shouldn't have. I've got them at nine. Now, at eight, seven, and six, it's just a smorgasbord mosh posh of Pac-12 teams. Washington, USC, and Oregon. You can put them in any order. Uh, in the rankings, in the polls, there's Washington 7, USC 8, Oregon 9. I don't think it makes any difference because they're, difference because they're going to play. But they're all playing pretty good football. And right now, the Pac-12 looks like it might be the best conference in the country. 
will reserve judgment, and those teams are going to bounce all around. And number five, I've got Michigan, currently ranked number two, and I really like this team. But I can't move them up based on the fact that they haven't played anybody, I mean, at all. East Carolina, you want to be Bowling Green and Rutgers. Now, again, all you can do is take care of what you can take care of and play who's in front of you on the schedule, and Michigan has done that, and they have one big. But until they get a little bit more of a quality win, they're going to sit at five for me. At four, the same rules apply for Georgia. Two-time defending national champion, currently ranked number one. Well, their schedule, in all honesty, makes who Michigan has played look like a murderer's row. For the Bulldogs so far, Tennessee, Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB. Now, they're going to get dinged for the South Carolina win. It was a 24-4 team. They were down 14-3 at halftime, and they came storming back into pretty much whatever they want to do. But you should beat a South Carolina team in which you are more talented at literally every position on the field. But this kind of thing happens for Kirby Smart when, you know, you're just beating the dick out of everybody. So they took a half off against South Carolina, got it back in order. Again, once Georgia plays some teams, they're going to move up or down based on the performances in those games. And number three, I've got Florida State. The Seminoles currently ranked five. Their big win, 21-pointer over LSU, who was ranked five at the time back in week one. Now, they had a two-point scare against Boston College on the road, which commerce games on the road, I mean, that kind of stuff happens. And then a 31-24 overtime win at Clemson last weekend. They get big credit for me for that, maybe more credit than for that LSU win because they lost seven straight against the Tigers. Mike Norvell gets his boys right. Jordan Travis looks good. It's such an athletic team. They are so good. And the rest of their schedule looks very favorable. So as the season goes on, in all honesty, with me, they'll probably move down the rankings more towards 10 just because of the lack of quality opponents. But you can't take away from them what they've already done. And the Seminoles look really good early in the season. At number two, Ohio State, currently the fourth-ranked team, and this is by virtue of their win over Notre Dame on the road at night. Tough game, tough place to play, a really good Notre Dame team that I like, and a Notre Dame team that is still in the thick of it as far as the college football playoff goes. Buckeyes have some big-time games coming up down the road. They've still got Penn State. They've still got Michigan. So we'll see what they're made of. And we're going to talk about Ryan Day here in a little bit. I, I just, I'm not a big Ryan Day fan. And at number one, Texas, currently ranked third. Steve Starkeesian, they are here for one reason and one reason only, and that's a 10-point win in Tuscaloosa against an Alabama team that is currently ranked 12th. So for as dog shit as Alabama looked against South Florida uh, the following week, and for as badly as they were kicked all over the field on the offensive and defensive lines by the Longhorns. Alabama's still a good team. They still get respect. So this Texas win on the road gets Texas some respect. Now their other three wins against no one uh, have been by 21 points or more. The next two weeks, they've got number 24, Kansas, and number 14, Oklahoma, the Red River rivalry. We can't say Red River shootout anymore. Woke culture in Jesus Christ. What is coming? What is coming to our world when we can't even say the word shootout in a rivalry game? But Texas looks fantastic. Got a bunch of tough ones coming up, but they've got their whole season ahead of them. So 
The Longhorns are my number one team. We're going to take a minute here to talk about Ryan Day, Ohio State head coach, head coach of the fourth-ranked Buckeyes. In the news this week, not because they had a big win at Notre Dame, not because they had to come from behind, not because Ohio State is one of the most successful programs of the last 15 years. No, Ohio State and Ryan Day are in the news because following that win, Ryan Day had to say something about former Irish head coach Lou Holtz and the comments that he made where he said he didn't think Ohio State was a tough team. Well, you know what? I think a lot of people think Ohio State isn't a tough team, but that's what you choose to bring up on the sideline. Give me a break. It's his job to talk about how he thinks the game's going to go. And I thought Notre Dame was going to win. There's lots of people that pick Notre Dame. And part of that is because your team hasn't been tough. They haven't. So why would you bring that up, Ryan Day? And I think it's because the seat of the head coach in Ohio State is getting a little warm. Now, maybe it's not from the boosters. Maybe it's not from the athletic director. Maybe it's not from the fan base, although I think it will be soon. Maybe it's Ryan Day turning up the heat on himself because, I don't know, Iowa State lost to Michigan each of the last two seasons for the first time since 1999 and 2000. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why Ryan Day's got his butthole all clenched up and is probably shitting diamonds because he knows that Michigan is a stacked team. They've looked incredible, and that's without the services of their head coach, Jim Harbaugh, on the sidelines for games due to a horseshit suspension. Michigan's won the last two against the Buckeyes by 22 last year and 15 in 2021, and in both those instances, Ohio State was the higher-ranked team. So could that be what has got Ryan Day a little sideways here? I think it is. And also from the fact that from 2001 to 2019, Ohio State was 17-2 against Michigan. Over a 19-year period, the Wolverines won twice. And now the last two years, Jim Harbaugh has just put it in that ass on the last game of the regular season in the biggest game. I mean, Big Ten fans, this, this is one of the games – not only of the season for that conference, but in college football over the last couple of years. I mean, Michigan's made the college football playoff twice in a row now, in part due, large part due, to that win. So why is Ryan Day talking after the game about a sportscaster who's older than dirt, who none of the guys that he is recruiting are familiar with? And to be honest, probably a lot of the guys he's recruiting parents they don't know who the hell Lou Holtz is either. I mean, some of them do, but a lot of them don't. And they don't care who he is. He hasn't been a regular on ESPN in 10 years. 10 years. Who gives a shit, Ryan Day? Just coach your team. You've got the number four ranked team in the country. You get a big win in a hostile road environment and one, a win that should give you some relief, should allow you to exhale to relax for at least, I don't know, 12 hours or the plane ride back to Columbus. Just chill out, dude. Ryan Day running off at his mouth and showing how butthurt he is by the comments of Lou Holtz tells me that Ryan Day is feeling the heat in Columbus. 
All right, it's time to talk NFL. I'm going to give you some of my best bets of the weekend. The first game we're talking about, Baltimore, Cleveland, the Brownies, a three-point favorite. Cleveland's 2-1 and one and looking good. The defense is silly. Miles Garrett, an early, the early favorite for defensive player of the year. Obviously, we've got a long ways to go. This is a classic bounce-back spot for the Ravens. They lost to the Colts last week and Gardner Minshew. I think they were the big reason why so many people got knocked out of their survivor pool along with the Dallas Cowboys. And Cleveland was a 27-3 winner at Tennessee, a team that was a three-point dog and had covered in that spot the two previous weeks, and I was still on them. But no, the Browns showed up. The home team has won each of the last four. And Cleveland's at home, but I'm taking Baltimore in this one. John Harbaugh's going to have his boys ready to play. Lamar Jackson fuming on the sideline towards the end of that game. Now, 39% of the bets are on Baltimore, but 84% of the money. This is a huge wise guy spot. Baltimore's 4-1 against the spread in the last five and 11-4 versus Cleveland in their last 15. You're giving me Baltimore coming off a loss in division, getting three points. I am all over that. And a little bonus one here, one we haven't done yet this year. And over-under, I'm going to give you these two teams. They're combined 18-7 and seven towards the under in their last 25 games. I'm going to take the under in this one as well. The game of the week for me, Miami and Buffalo. The Bills, a three-point favorite. And this line, and then look ahead, was still Bills minus three. And I would, have, I would have thought that the Dolphins would have started getting a little more love and that the line was going to move more in their favor, and it hasn't. Part of that is because Miami's lost nine of the last ten against the Bills. I mean, Josh Allen has just had Miami's number, so it would seem. But the Dolphins are 6-0 against the spread in their last six and 5-0 against the number in their last five on the road. And Miami's also covered their last three against the Bills, including the playoffs with Skyler Thornton at quarterback. If you remember that last year, you're going to give me an explosive Dolphins offense and a defense that's played well against a Bills team coached by Sean McDermott and somebody who I think might be coaching for his job this year, I'll take the Dolphins and the points. Our next game, Las Vegas at Los Angeles the Chargers, a five-and-a-half point favorite. The Chargers, Justin Herbert, Brandon Staley, get their first win last week, a come-from-behind victory against Minnesota in a tough game. And because they're one and two, people are down on the Chargers. And I get it because you are, in the words of Herm Edwards, what your record says you are. And the Chargers are one and two. However, they lost a two-pointer to Miami in week one, a game in which they were leading and should have won. But Brandon Staley's dumbass can't figure out how to cover Tyreek Hill or at least just make it difficult to throw it to him. And then a three-point loss at Tennessee, a very difficult place to play. And that was all coaching Mike Vrabel showing why he's worth the money followed by a four-point win this past weekend at Minnesota. So they've got two losses by a combined five points. We could be looking at a 3-0 and team here, even though they're 1-2. and And Jimmy Garoppolo, as of me recording this, is in the concussion protocol. And when he's not in the concussion protocol, I don't think he's very good. Now, this is a clear quarterback advantage for the Chargers. Who has the coaching advantage? That no one does. Because Josh McDaniels is a clown. Brandon Staley is a bigger clown. And by virtue of that, you would think that maybe the Chargers would be at a disadvantage. But this is just how poorly I think of Josh McDaniels. 
85% of the money's on the Chargers. I am too. I'm going to take Justin Herbert, the throwing machine from Eugene, the blonde bomber, and the Chargers land five and a half. Our last game of the week, Kansas City and New York, the Jets. Ugh. The Chiefs are a nine and a half point favorite. This opened at seven and a half, and Patrick Mahomes traditionally has been very, very bad as a large favorite. 91% of the money is on Kansas City, and that is for one reason. Zach Wilson sucks at football. It's the same reasoning I gave last week when we took the Patriots and they covered because Zach Wilson just isn't good at football. And it won't be long until he's not under center anymore. I don't know who their quarterback is going to be, whether they bring one in off the street, whether they bring in the backup, whether they try and trade for one. But I know that it's not going to be Zach Wilson because that team hates him. And it's going to look worse after this week because Kansas City has been winning with defense. After an opening loss to the Lions, in which the defense only gave up two touchdowns, the Chiefs have allowed 10 points to Chicago and nine points to a Jacksonville offense that everybody thought was going to take a step up this year. Chris Jones being back transforms that defense. Zach Wilson and the Jets are going to find it hard to move the ball to score points. And as good as the New York defense is, you can only keep Patrick Mahomes at bay for so long. The Jets are 1-6 against the number in the last seven, and the Chiefs are 4-1 against the spread over their last five. I'm going to take Kansas City, and I'm going to lay the 9.5. That's going to do it for me. I appreciate you tuning in. Please remember to share the podcast with your football friends, and we'll see you next time.